0: Warning, the following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter like Ninus and hoo has, also a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right, on with the shenanigans then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers in particular court psyops and his immature co-host matt it was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons but had they lived very very full lives they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week for them An idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema PsyOps, with Court and Matt. What is
1: PsyOps?
0: PSYOPs for Psychological
2: Operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the
0: intent behind PSYOPs, to convince people to do what you want them to do.
3: So how does PSYOP fit into what's happening now?
0: The two points I'd like to make with you and the
2: audience is that first and foremost, PSYOP saves lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOP. They think it's something deviant and brainwashing.
3: say you don't know exactly what's going on right now but we do know that there are some psyops going on right
0: ma'am i don't know cinema psyops
1: and i believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today why i believe that is because i know how it feels i know what it does to you
0: cinema psyops they think it's something devious and brainwashing
2: hello and welcome to the 265th consecutive week of Cinema Psyops. Sure, sometimes I put stuff out on a holiday Monday instead of the Sunday that I normally would, because I don't have to work that day, and that's just how I feel about it. But I'm your host, Court. I'm the one who runs Bartertown. I'm the guy who gets to make the decision. Having no say in anything at all other than basically what he writes for his reviews is Matt.
4: So it's... Kind of like a capitalist society. We say it's Labor Day, but we still do work.
2: <laughs> this is our hobby. This is supposed to be our fun.
4: I know. I was fucking around. It's a fun time. I've it's, been holding on to that joke for a while.
2: <laughs> it's only work in that when we cover Danzig movies, we have to work to try and make a show happen.
4: Yeah, that's, that, that's when you have to make some sacrifices
2: one of the bonuses of covering veronica the week before it makes every movie that we cover thereafter seem so much better
4: this this movie this week seemed like damn near citizen kane comparatively
2: (laughs) it had actual acting and editing and special effects that made sense
4: fucking ridiculous
2: i feel so spoiled by class of 1999 this week
4: what have we done to deserve such a thing
2: (laughs) my goodness our entertainment is actually trying to make a cohesive plot
4: it's actually trying to entertain me (laughs) uh so have you seen
2: class of 1999 before doing it for the show have you ever seen that before Fuck,
4: the more I saw it, the more I thought I'd seen it a couple times, but I'm not sure. Okay,
2: so you think you may have seen it, but you're not sure you didn't, nothing really was like sticking out. The reason I ask is this was a cable staple. This was on cable a shitload.
4: Yeah, that's one reason why I think I may have seen it, but there's also one other thing is that it stars a lot of people who are that guy, so... Then I don't know if it's just because I've seen something else with those guys in it.
2: Yeah, I could totally see that where there's faces that you recognize from other things. So you think you may have seen this. Uh, This was definitely one that I have seen a shit ton before buying when it finally came out on Blu-ray, the Blu-ray of it. This was one of those movies that I caught on cable at a very, very young age and just watched the hell out of it pretty frequently. Um, it's kind of your typical mindless sci-fi action movie of this era. This is very or like nineteen ninety. When this was made so they're trying to predict the future of nine years out of all this technology that's about to happen and in the 90s I can see where people would think that perhaps all of this technology would come about by the end of the 90s because there was still hope well, in the
4: world and also the, well, also everyone thought school kids would become so mass violent that they'd take over the country
2: <laughs> had you seen class of 1984 which is essentially this movie's uh, predecessor it's not necessarily a sequel this is more like a uh, remake will where they wanted to go back to the well the same guy who uh, did class in 1984 did class in 1999
4: no I've, I've never seen that
2: okay pretty basic story of uh, our inner city schools going amok and kids taking over and you know one teacher tries to stand up against the rising tide of these evil fucking students that are destroying the school and the world around them with dealing drugs and all of that kind of stuff and the gangs go after him and it kind of turns into sort of a rape revenge kind of movie too, all at once uh, it's kind of similar around the same Vein of like the principal with John Belushi. I don't know if you remember that movie or not, where they had to clean up the school and the school. Yeah, that one I remember. Yeah, well, like picture a more sleazy version of that, even. And that's what class of 1984 was. And I'm not saying that as a disparaging thing. I think it's fucking brilliant. I love class of 1984. I think it's a great fucking movie. And this was them going back to that well and trying to make a sequel to that. But, you know, it was already 1990 by the time they were getting ready yeah. to do that. Did we do the principle? We've never covered the principle, but you and I have talked about the principle before. Okay. <laughs> not even about those, like not even on this show. That was just kind of something that we've talked about. Yeah. Movie wise. <laughs> I think it came up because we were having an argument on whether or not James Belushi she should have been a dramatic actor versus a comedic actor because his timing for dramatic work is much better than it is for comedy
4: yeah yeah we were we were discussing that because i agreed with that i didn't yeah he's a much better dramatic actor than comedy actor
2: yeah i think he kind of got pigeonholed into it because of john's death I think that's why Jim Belushi got pigeonholed into doing comedy. And there's some stuff that he's done that is pretty funny, but he's better at being a straight man. He's, you know, like he's better at just playing it straight and having the comedy bounce off of him by people overreacting to things. Yeah. Like Real Men and John Ritter.
4: (laughs) Yeah, 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 right. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Jim Belushi's best work in Real Men is basically him... Trying to play everything down and saying that everything's not a big deal and don't be shocked, while John Ritter melts the fuck down constantly for the whole movie.
4: Yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's this is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we
2: just covered a whole bunch of Jim Belushi movies and uh, we've We're had our done. Jim Belushi uh, appreciation hour.
4: Have a happy Labor Day, everyone. Let's uh let's go to bed.
2: <laughs> no, we need to talk about Class of 1999 because I am excited to talk about this movie. Now there was a direct sequel to Class of 1999, which was I believe Class of 1999 Two: The Substitute. Um, that film is moderately okay <laughs>
4: Moderately, that film is i guess it's fine as well
2: <gasps> yeah it's okay but that film didn't have what this film does
4: yeah which is ed from I northern
2: exposure as a punker
4: yeah there you go it <laughs> right, is Ed from Northern Exposure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it really isn't. I'm just fucking around.
4: Oh, fuck, right. you look like him.
2: Yeah, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to play some music that's aggressively cyberpunk and industrial and all the kinds of stuff that fits in with this class of
0: 1999 flick. When you come back, we will have the trailer. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time. And when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand scale take a penny, leave a penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: So I did just double check and holy fuck, it really is it from Northern Exposure. Are you fucking me? <laughs> no, I'm not fucking with you right now. So in 1990, the actor Darren E. Burroughs, known very prominently to every kid in the 90s as Ed from Northern Exposure. He was in class of 1999 as Sonny, which is who we thought he was. Well, that's him. But he was also in Crybaby all in the same year when Northern Exposure got started.
0: Huh, how about that?
2: So there you go. Fucking Ed from Northern Exposures in this movie and that makes me love Class of 1999 even more. Ooh. And now the trailer's going to ruin it for everyone.
3: Of course. In 1998, 6 million violent incidents took place in American hey, Ed, high schools. Uh, including 29,927 teacher fatalities. The public school system has been reduced to a battlefield. The Board of Education has just found a solution. Tommy! The perfect solution. You're next, Mr. Cope, ah! for the class of 1999. What are you? The class of 1999. These androids were supposed to educate the students. Battle droids, my man. Battle droids. To graduate is to
4: survive.
2: Okay, graduate us to survive, Matt. Uh, take us through class of
4: nineteen ninety nine. Well, then it already did that. We're done. No, um, all right. So we open up with kind of a uh, well, kind of a description of the current happenings, and actually, we're going to open up with a clip. In nineteen ninety two, there were five hundred forty three
3: thousand seven hundred sixty seven violent incidents in American high schools. In some cities, the areas around these schools were beginning to fall under the control of violent youth gangs. By 1997, the number of violent incidents had tripled. Gangs had taken control of large sections of these cities. Some schools were shut down. The year is 1999. The gang controlled areas have become known as free fire zones. Kennedy High is located in the middle. Of a free fire zone, the police will not enter. There is no law. The Department of Education of Defense has been formed to reopen the schools and
2: control the gangs. That vocoder voice makes you know that it is the future.
4: Yes, we are now in the future. These are the future times of 1999. (laughs) uh, (laughs) This is an alternative future
2: for everyone.
4: And much like a RoboCop type of introduction in a business room, three cyborg teachers are now introduced to um, a a litany of I I guess what a principal and then other I guess school officials. Uh, All during this time, while they're being uh, introduced, we see a kid getting out of jail, being released. Uh, So you know, it's probably going to have some good times coming up. (laughs) Um, The kid's brother and his wastoid friend pick him up, and. it seems like they want him to kind of just rejoin gang life, and he's actually seemingly not really wanting to get back into this lifestyle.
2: Did you recognize the sort of whiny-voiced little brother that was driving the car?
4: I've seen him a shit ton, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't know what from, though? Shit. Not really. real. I mean, I couldn't tell you definitively.
2: Okay, so most of our audience would probably know him as Homer from Near Dark. A good significant amount of them will recognize him as Tim from River's Edge. Some of the more real hardcore watched a lot of HBO when they were way too young kids like myself will recognize him as the annoying little piece of shit brother from Teen Witch.
4: Teen Witch.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, I think his Richie was his name in Teen Witch. He was a fucking real piece of shit. But most people are going to recognize him that have seen Near Dark. They're going to recognize him as Homer. He was the little kid vampire Homer in Near Dark. Uh, he was like the annoying shit. He plays, he's really good at playing the annoying shit, but he's the annoying shit Tim in River's Edge. And uh, Teen Witch is the one that most, mostly everybody's going to recognize him from but he's been in a ton of stuff a ton of tv and all of that he basically being a short statured uh, guy that looked super young almost his entire life ended up playing a lot of kid roles like this for an extended period of time like over a decade
4: yeah because he yeah he looks pretty young so
2: that's like him and kristen de bell that we were talking about with cheerleaders wild weekend where she played 16 year olds for like 20 years
4: yeah yeah um, anyway, as they're driving home, they actually roll through some enemy gang territory. He uh, talks shit to one of the, like the leader, Hector, the leader of that, uh, gang. And, uh, they chase him and he's able to like get away from them in the car chase. And, uh, you know, so you already get an idea that he's kind of not very well liked by other gangs, but fuck them.
2: It's also a good world building thing too. Cause you see these various cars that have been modified into battle tanks that were like old sedans or old. Uh, station wagon cars that the gang that they drive through and then their fancy ass fucking futuristic Cadillac kind of car where it looks like it was a Cadillac that they did minimum modifications to where they like drop the headlights down and out a little bit to try and make it look more futuristic <laughs> and they, Yeah, like, they cut the bumper and moved it up to where the lights should be it's just weird shit like that uh, that just makes no sense as to why anybody would do that to a car even in the future
4: and then uh, you kind of get maybe also a feeling that this kid went to prison doing something with this hector kid because he's like you know he he was like uh you should have tried it you know when the hector was like hey how was prison and he goes it wasn't bad you should probably should have tried it It almost seems like you know he's like you you piece of shit
2: <laughs> i thought it was more like because they were trying to harass him about how much he would have enjoyed prison and he uh-huh. was making a sort of uh offhanded toxic male gay joke at the guy where he should try it because he'll enjoy it more because they didn't then he made a kissy face at him right after he said that.
4: That that could be also as well. So I, I was picking up something else different. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> there's
2: certainly animosity amongst the gangs, but the movie yeah. doesn't really bother to set up too much backstory on that but beyond the fact that it's all gangs vying for territory. Like, you just have to push the I believe button that there yes. is this long built up animosity between all these gangs for something more than territory.
4: And apparently Seattle just hasn't been gentrified yet. <laughs> oh, the
2: coffee will change change it all
4: yeah <laughs> oh man all you gotta get is those upper middle class white folk in there and th- they'll take care of it uh <laughs>
2: Yeah, because when they call the cops, the cops come running to protect them.
4: Goddamn right. And they'll blow anybody away. And they definitely know how to suck the culture out of anything. (laughs) Um,
2: Starbucks, gentrifying since 93.
4: Right. All right. So um, then uh, the new teachers are starting now at Kennedy High. We see them going in. Everyone's kind of getting set. Um, As Cody, his brother and his way friend get to school, he gets taken in by security. The friend does. Uh, They want to search his car. Those are all brothers,
2: by the way. They're all brothers
4: are they all brothers? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I thought that was just a friend. Okay. So, his his older brother, I guess then. Yep. Um, so uh the little brother wants to fight, but Cody drags him away and tells him to, you know, hey, you know, just forget about him. You know, it's uh, you know, you'll be happier you did. And then his gang members uh that Cody was a member of are, start asking him if, you know, hey, what are you doing? It's like you're not trying to be in the gang anymore. And that's when Cody much pretty much tells them they're like, you know, maybe we should kill you. And Cody goes, Well, if I hang out in the game anymore, I won't, I'll do actual serious time or you'll kill me. But either way, I'm dead. So you, you kind of get the idea that the actual prison system there is. Probably a lot like our prison system, in which you're not going to live through it.
2: Yeah, it's not designed for that. It's designed to burn you up and use you up as fuel for its fucking slave labor.
4: Yes, exactly. So, um, in the first class, the Pam Gear robot, she's teaching some chemistry, and she beats the shit out of some game members who won't listen to her. See, I um, thought
2: she was just doing one of those, like, uh, what was that Michelle Pfeiffer movie where she's, like, teaching inner-city youth? Oh, yo,
4: yeah. Dangerous Minds.
2: Yeah, she was doing some Dangerous Minds shit where she was trying to show them that she means business, but she wants to expand their consciousness, not knock them unconscious.
4: Yeah, no, no, she wants to knock them unconscious. And, and, I and know, I'm just dead. being
2: facetious. It's very clearly... Her abusing students because she can get away with it. Yeah, and because it's Pam Greer, it's fucking hot, and I'm just gonna let it be. Yeah,
4: I'd I'd probably be all right with it too. I mean, it's it's Pam Greer, so I mean, (laughs) use all the students you want, Pam Greer. They they mean nothing. (laughs) Nothing I said. As long as you're happy, Pam, we're happy. Um. So then, uh, the uh, a girl sitting right next to Cody is starting to like flirt with him, starting to hit on him, she's kind of like a uh, one of the few, I guess you would say, preppy kids in this whole entire fucking building. Did you recognize
2: that actress from anything? No. Okay, that is Tracy Lind is her name. Um, Most folks, I think, would recognize her from maybe The Road to Wellville. She was in, she was the nurse, she was uh, Matthew Broderick's nurse uh, in Road to Wellville. She was in My Boyfriend's Back, which was a 90s movie where she was like um, the love interest in that. Obviously, this film, Class of 1999, there was a 90s version of Handmaiden's Tale and I believe She was the off-worn June, Janine, whatever character you want to call her. She was also in Fright Night 2. She was Charlie's second girlfriend in Fright Night 2, the one that was a speed reader and actually ended up saving the day and being the badass. Oh, nice. Yeah, so she's been in a ton of different stuff, like TV and things like that. Um, I think she was in Werewolf, the TV series, if I remember correctly, because I fucking love that show as well. So I'm not just going to go through and name off a bunch of different stuff, but like she's been in a bunch of things that you would probably recognize her from, as well as had a few like background actors actress roles were like, you know, that's supporting character roles that you've seen her in the background of other movies and stuff too.
4: Yeah. Um, well, anyway, she's sitting on Cody and uh, through the grapevine, Cody tends to find out that she is actually Print the new principal's daughter, yeah. Uh, the principal, of course, being Malcolm McDowell. There, so
2: which oddly enough, I think their facial structures match enough to where you can believe that Malcolm McDowell had her as his daughter,
4: right? So, um, then we cut to the next class is the old guy and uh, the old guy robot, and he's teaching history. Two schizoids can't fucking stop, so he ends up fucking spanking them. <laughs> literally, right. he spanks them,
2: yeah. They're both legal. Leaders of the gangs. I don't know if you noticed that, or they're members of the opposite gangs, and they're fighting because they are members of the opposite gangs. And then, oh yeah, because he goes after each of the prominent members like that and embarrasses them in such a way, the gangs decide they can't let that go. They need to get vengeance on that
4: so there you go they're all fucking uh, they're getting spanked and that's weird and that's kind of concludes the first 20 minutes of the movie
2: there's some people monitoring what these uh, cybernetic or just full on yeah. cyborg beings I don't even know if they got yeah there's parts. some
4: scientists in the schools yeah
2: and they're monitoring them and they're kind of just basically letting the machines run their programs as they're designed and seeing how they react to this stuff and then they move forward and like decide on whether or not they're going to do anything. Stacy Keach's character has the power of his fucking rat tail that will not be
4: denied. We
2: we got to talk and, about the
4: solid and, and, white and, and hair. whited out eyes too. Yeah. By the way, yeah,
2: he looks like an albino freak from hell with a black mustache. This is the most '80s looking awesome Stacy Keach look I could possibly have ever hoped for. This That's, is the dramatic end result of what should have happened from the hair segment in body bags that he was in.
4: <laughs> that that rat tail really it, it caused some it was like holy shit
2: (laughs) it's like the makers of this film saw brian bosworth and went we need to get that hairstyle on stacy keach
4: that is something else right there (laughs) right because it's that
2: same fucking like sort of mullet that gets cut into a point that makes it this mullet rat tail this mullet tail thing
4: that's where, like that's that's power right there that's real shit (laughs) (laughs) have you not seen stone cold god damn brian bosworth awesome (laughs) fuck give this guy a rat tail Fucking now!
2: <laughs> Make him look as much like Sting in 1985 as you possibly can, and I mean the pro wrestler. The pro no, no, wrestler, no, no, not the makeup, just the hair.
4: Yeah, no, no, makeup, just the hair, just the hair. <laughs> just the hair. I yeah. want people to think that apparently we uh, that uh, this is a surfer who just kind of let himself go. <laughs>
2: Basically. All right. So, the first 20 minutes of the movie, just to kind of bring it back to actual reality here, now that we're done backing on that rat tail, right? Um, so, the first 20 minutes of this movie, I think, does an excellent job of setting up the world building. You see how bad the prison system is. You see that a fucking kid who's still in high school is being tried and put in prison as an adult in yeah. this world. And then you're also seeing that because they're opening the school back, and this school is in a demilitarized, depoliced zone, which makes it very pertinent to talk about nowadays because this is the. Thing that they're all trying to warn you about on the conservative media side of things, where they're trying to terrify you of what a possible Joe Biden America would look like. But that's, that's
4: actually what Trump America is
2: currently, right? So that's what they're trying to like. If you want four more years of this, vote for Biden. I don't know how that works, but okay, whatever. I, I don't either. You know, the whole demilitarized thing that they're trying to portray in this movie is what the conservatives have been trying to make people be afraid of when they've been pushing that law and order agenda. Actually, anybody who pushes a law and order agenda, this is the bullshit image that they're trying to get you to believe and this world building sets this up and gives you this sense of just sheer utter hopelessness and it really reminded me of the opening of Death Wish 3 which is why I think I gravitate towards this movie more so than I normally would because this has that same kind of feeling where you just get plunged into this world that just seems dank and dark and around every corner more and more of this guy's life gets peeled back and revealed after he gets out of jail. We're about to get into some of the darker stuff but like things are really bad for him and they just keep getting worse and you're like, "Well, fuck, no wonder you joined a gang."
4: Yeah, right? <laughs> and yeah, the, the and yeah, the world isn't all that great. They did, uh-huh. they did an excellent job of
2: establishing that. And every choice that our main character that we're supposed to be following makes, makes perfect sense to me, given the lack of options that he has. Like, I can't really fault a lot of the decisions that he's making. And especially here, like he's just gotten out of prison and he's just trying to walk the straight and narrow and be a lone wolf and just do what he has to do to try and not have to go back to jail. And that's his main focus so much so that he's like, look, you guys don't know what it's like. Even his own family, he's willing to throw under the bus like his big brother.
4: Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going back to fucking prison. Yeah, he's not. Um, he's
2: not going to fight a security guard in the school parking lot just so yeah, his the, big brother can feel good about himself.
4: The first, the first day he's gotten out, <laughs> right? Yeah, the very
2: first day he gets out, right?
4: Because <laughs> his older brother's fucking hooked on drugs, <laughs> right? Um, all right. So then we start with the next 20 minutes. Uh, Cody goes home. We can't even see what a shit life he has to live. Uh, that his mom is a mess. She's also addicted to drugs. And her and his little brother get to a fight over drugs. Um,
2: They're fighting for the drugs. They're trying to get the supply. Yeah. He ran in and stole drugs from their mom so that he could give it to the older brother who was all beat up and cut up because he got left behind. And the mother. And, and
4: also the history teacher did that to him. No. Was all his chest. Yeah, he said the history, the new history teacher did it to him. He did say that at this point? Yep, because yep. the guy, the... Uh, Cody asks, he goes, oh, the cops mess you up pretty good. And he goes, no, it's the new history teacher. He goes, I, something's wrong with that guy.
2: <laughs> I thought he said it was the cops or the, the guards that did it.
4: See, that's what Cody was inferring. And then he goes, no, but it was the history teacher. They took me to him. So hmm,
2: that's interesting. I swear. I never picked that up before. So I'm, I'm not in a position to argue and say, no, that's not the case. And I'm not going to go grab the movie and start running it just to see for sure. I'll just take your word for it and we'll move on.
4: <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, um, however, Cody has good news. His motorcycle was well taken care of. So he's very excited about that. Um... Uh, So then the next day at school, the principal's daughter's heading into a class, and one of the, uh, a different gang member wants to, you know, start hitting on her, and she has to be left alone, and so things get real rapey real quick. So then Cody jumps in and beats the shit out of the guy. Everything's going fine until Robot Gym Teacher stops everything and drags Cody into the principal's office. The principal, someone admonishes him, saying, you know, hey, you're on probation, all that, and... Cody kind of angrily says, you know, hey, I stopped your daughter from being raped, shithead. Maybe. Why is it the shit who tried to rape the daughter in there? Why is it Cody? Did you
2: recognize the gym teacher guy? Did he pop up? or He's
4: been in everything. Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of things. I don't name one thing right now, but I. have seen him
2: i would say the one thing that most people would recognize him from is in the 90s version of the stand he was one of the yokels that kept giving nick a lot of trouble right before shit hit the fan he was the leader of the group that beat him up he was the one with the ring and then he was the one that was like still alive and nick was taking care of him at the very end a lot of people will recognize him from that like that's what i always think of right off the bat when i see him I mean, granted, he's been in a shit ton of movies and TV and all that kind of stuff, but like that's the one that really definitely pops for me was. And he's
4: always kind of an asshole.
2: Yeah. I mean, like he played a bad guy in The Replacement Killers, he was a bad guy in Last Man Standing, the. Bruce Willis movie that's basically just a take on Rashomon. He was okay. he was one of the fucking bad guys in The Second Under Siege. I think he was like the main bad guy that uh he was supposed to go up against. He was in a fucking I know he was in a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. I just can't remember which one off the top of my head, but <laughs> 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 Usually he plays a heavy or he plays one of the bad guys that people are supposed to go up against, you know, like just like this badass because he's a big foreboding looking dude. It was fucking Death Warrant. That's he was a bad guy in Death Warrant. That's what it was. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I had to look it up just to see. But anyway, um, the guy's been in like a ton of stuff and it's Patrick Kilpatrick is his name. I recognize him from he is the bad guy with the diamond tooth in Remo Williams. The adventure begins that Remo ends up having to fight at a couple of different turns and then... As we were kind of discussing earlier, the main bully guy that's like the small town piece of shit that confronts Nick at the beginning of the stand right before stuff starts popping off and then the disease hits and Nick has to take care of him.
4: Yes. Yes. So yeah, the gym teacher's been in a lot of stuff. And Uh, and also, I mean, we're
2: skipping over Pam Greer and we we haven't talked about the history teacher just yet, but just wanted to mention that guy, Patrick Kilpatrick. And like, I don't think I have to go through the litany of things that Pam Greer's done. I think everybody in our audience knows now
4: about Pam Pam Greer's done right yeah 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 um and so the principal excuses him uh, he has to go to gym so now they're in gym and the robot guy he's being a prick to one of Cody's friends trying to make him do 200 pushups and he's kind of just being a general like fucking bully prick and so when class is over he has Cody stay behind and he pretty much beats a living fuck out of Cody. Beats a living fuck out of him by like a lot and I mean like bashing his chest to the point where he's bleeding out of his fucking mouth Yeah he uses
2: his robot weight and he does it under the premises That he's trying to teach him how to wrestle and then when cody actually does a good job of wrestling with him then he decides that it's time to beat the fuck out of cody and yeah he fucking flattens him good for talking shit to him
4: and then during all this time um the kid who he's being a bully to gets high on edge and then grabs a gun and he kind of peters out and he really can't hold the gun very well because he's so high. But the teacher gets up and snaps the kid's neck and Cody passes out after seeing that. Well, that um,
2: and also after having his chest you, caved you, in by a, yeah, a yeah, robot. Also,
4: he, he just getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, scientists freak out a little bit and they're like, holy fuck, you know, <laughs> what's going on? And main bad guy there uh rat tail he's like that don't worry about it uh we're gonna be fine so and um so then we cut to the old guy robot and uh he's kind of teaching them all uh about war and shit and cody's older brother comes in all fucked up and he pukes so the teacher then takes him to his locker busts open the locker finds all the drugs in it and then starts making him do it and makes him od and then he tears off the the locket um and this is why i don't think it's his brother um that character is not his brother it's just his friend because that locket cody says that locket was given to him by his mother not cody's mother but that kid's mother and he never takes it off and i don't think anybody cares about cody's mom because she doesn't care about anybody
2: I do believe that they might have the same dad, but different, uh, different so moms. half-brothers. Yeah, that's gotcha. my thought.
4: Well, anyway, he has that pendant, and he comes back into class, starts talking, and Cody actually sees it.
2: This is when Cody starts to realize that something is amiss, something is yeah. not right.
4: I mean, he just got the ass kicked, and now I think, you know, he's probably wondering, well, maybe I didn't see the gym teacher break that kid's neck. Maybe I was so fucked up after getting my, you know, the shit beaten out of me. So now, but he's probably now like, oh, okay, well, I, I think things are better. Bad.
2: Um things are being tough all over.
4: Yes. Well the principal meets with the teachers and that is our next clip. Does anyone have an explanation?
1: Ingestion of 8000 milligrams of ethodigemethoth will do that.
3: Break the boy's neck. Pulverize his jaw. The effects of habitual use are indeed disturbing. Mr. hardin you beat that boy. Only himself defense, Miles. The filthy little punk was armed. With dangerous weapon. And he was out of control on narcotics.
1: Ethodigemesithol is notorious for producing acts of superhuman strength. Mr. Langford,
5: the news crew is here.
4: Thank you, Wanda.
3: You'll have to excuse me. I have statements to make, people to placate. Dr. Forrest, we'll discuss this later. Hello? Of course, Miles, whatever you say.
2: All right, so the history teacher we got to talk about, and we'll just kind of talk about everybody that's in here. People should recognize Stacy Keach; they should know about Stacy Keach and his whole history because he's also one of those that guy actors. But yeah, the history teacher, the real evil older dude—you got to recognize him from stuff, right?
4: Oh, of course, yeah. I recognize all three of the. T- that's why I'm saying this movie. I, I recognize almost everybody in this movie as somebody I've seen somewhere.
2: He was the bad guy in Death Wish 4. You should know him from that because that's like, oh. your, that's the one that you like of the later sequels even more that's than three. true. You like yeah. four even more than three, you said. Yes. Um, I recognize him. He was the principal in Three O'Clock High. And when I saw Three O'Clock High, it was after I had seen Class of 1999. So I thought the Three O'Clock High was a sort of unofficial sequel to Class of 1999 as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was the principal, Mr. O'Rourke. And Three O'Clock High is, I can't recommend that enough. That's a fucking amazing movie. Yeah. So, Class of 1990, Delta Force, bunch of other fucking movies as well. Bad guy in uh, Death Wish 4. Uh, I know he popped up in Hoffa. I think he was even in one of the episodes. He was like a sheriff or something like that in The Adventures of Briscoe County. And he's done a bunch of fucking background uh, supporting type actor role where you needed somebody to be badass and just talk with the New York's a New York accent. I'm trying to think. There's there's definitely a movie that I saw him in that I think it might have been a Larry Cohen movie, but I can't think of which one it was off the top of my head. So i will just move on. But anyway, bunch of stuff for John P. Ryan.
4: All right, and uh, so then with all that, uh, Cody and Christine question her dad, but he sticks to the official story that the kid had an uh, overdose. As they're leaving, Cody swipes like a book from uh the receptionist desk. Uh, we'll find out what that is later. Uh, and then Cody and Christine have a little bit of a fight where, cause you know he doesn't believe her dad and she does. Um, and then um, that later that night, the principal and our uh, rat-tailed friend, they are. Uh, talking at dinner, and um, he's like, don't worry about it. Uh, he's like, number one, you're complicit in covering up a murder, so we're in this together. And then mainly, he's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to get all this money, all this, but you're going to get all the glory. You're going to be on the cover of Time Magazine. You're going to be the man who will clean up schools. He goes, you're going to get all the props, and I don't need them. I just want the money. So, uh, that's the end of that 20 minutes.
2: We should also talk our main man, Cody, here. He was one of the characters in Stand By Me. I know he was also Philip, the one who gets destroyed by the puppet version that Freddie makes out of him in Nightmare on Elm Street
4: 3. Yes, he is. Thank you. That's yeah. where I knew that guy. All right. Thank you. He
2: had a brief role in Lonesome Dove. Uh, he had basically one of those background supporting actor type roles in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You remember those thugs that Indy takes on whenever he's River Phoenix as a kid? Yes. He was one of those thugs in uh, oh, Last okay. Crusade.
4: I got you. Yeah.
2: But It is the same actor. He's been in a ton of other stuff. He was in like fire in the sky as well. And then uh, there was a remake of a Swedish film called night watch. He was in the American version of that. Um, I believe, but he was like, just like a background character there. I'm just trying to remember everything. I can think I can see him in, but that's, that's just about everything I can remember right now at the top of my head. He's been in a ton of stuff, but most people going to recognize him as Philip in a nightmare on Elm street. That's where he's probably most prominently recognizable for our audience
4: all right yeah and now that you mention it, it's like oh always bummed me out with his death even though it was one of the cooler deaths well Love the that.
2: worst part about it is he's awake and conscious the whole time this is happening but he's trapped in the dream yeah while it's happening in reality fucking
4: being sliced open and made to walk like that
2: yeah and he's feeling all of that pain even though nobody else can see it and then he's walking this long, arduous staircase, begging for help in his life. And the film makes you watch it. It's really disheartening.
4: It it, it really is. It's a, it's a way to start out the murdering. I'll tell
2: you that. (laughs) Yeah. It's really dark.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then uh, to start the next 20 minutes, um, Cody goes to his gang's hideout and they are initiating his little brother by, you know, beating the shit out of him. Then they kick him out. And that is also a ass whooping of epic proportions apparently to get kicked out of the game. So, the next day, Cody finds Christini, talks her into helping him, uh coming with him skipping school, and they go and they he the what he stole off the receptionist's desk was the teacher directory. And he goes look up the new teachers' addresses cuz he wants to find the pendant that he saw the old guy had. And they find all three new teachers have the same address. So they go to the house and it sparsely has anything in it, but like tanks and stuff. There's like three chairs tanks wd-40 things for machines hardly any clothing it's very weird uh and then he finds the pendant
2: his girl also goes on a diatribe about how she only has one lacy bra and that women always have panties to match they yeah. always try to match things and then she's just basically trying to illustrate like no woman buys just a fancy bra they always have panties to match and there's nothing else here yeah but a fancy bra you know she's trying to explain this to him in a very delicate way
4: you know and he's just like <laughs> and he's just just
2: Captain Oblivious because all he's thinking about is her tits because she keeps holding the brawl up to her own tits.
4: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> Cody's not the smartest hero. No, no. He's the hero, but he's kind of stupid. So
2: <laughs> He's got the balls to get you through, but not the brains. Yeah,
4: exactly. So then the three teachers get back, and they kind of run out of the house, and the, the teachers see him, and they get on the bike. Um, So he drops christine off and tells her to run so uh and he gets out and they chase him in a car and through some cat and mouse chasing throughout city a pretty good car chase not not bad not bad at all yeah none
2: of the action is bad in this the action is spot on everything that they do for the fights the action all of these various sequences is impeccable
4: yeah and they, um, they get the he gets them to drive their car off of unfinished bridge into the water.
2: Yeah, they're so focused on attacking him that you know he just basically leads them off the edge of the bridge, and they don't even care.
4: Yeah. So, um, later on, uh, he gets home and he's talking to his brother and uh they're kind of you know making up and shit like that his little brother and then the teachers are emerging from the water and they say that they have to do something different now it's time to go to war and then uh he and his little brother play some basketball and he has to leave so he can do his homework and all that kind of shit so later on that night the teachers jumped Cody's little brother. They chase him down and kill him.
2: This was really creepy yeah. how they're driving past him in the car and they trick him into the car and shit. It's just really Well, they, say if they trick him into
4: the car they, they stop him there and then they go well, you know, gang activity will lead you nowhere. And he goes, what do you want from me? And she goes, and then Pam Greer goes, we just want to teach you a lesson. And then the gym teacher goes, I want to kick his butt. And they must have ran out of how many swears they could put in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they chase him down and then they kill him. And then later on that night, the laters jump another different gang, a, ga- a guy from the other gang and they light him on fire and throw him through the window of that other gang's hideout. Yeah. They're- so they are like, it's, it's wartime. They're setting up a gang war.
2: Right. They're trying to get one gang to fight the other gang by killing opposite members and blaming the opposite gangs. It's a pretty standard thing. It's basically like grabbing your princess and taking her from Gilda all the way to (laughs) Florin or whatever that nation was and killing her over there. So you you can start a war. (laughs) Yeah. It's inconceivable. inconceivable, but it works.
4: It's, it's It works, but it's inconceivable.
2: You are trying to kidnap what I've rightfully stolen.
4: I, <laughs> I love that. That whole conversation's great. Uh, okay, so Cody is driving around, and he finds the rest of the gang with his brother's dead body. He freaks out, yells at him to reinstate him. So they beat the shit out of him, and he wants to go to war with the other gang because the other day, the in blood written on the basketball is like meet at this place at what time? Well, it's for, it for, says for, war for Warren.
2: Yeah, it says like war zone or whatever. So apparently yeah. they have this designated area to to shoot out by the docks or whatever, and that's what that is.
4: The uh, scientists are getting worried because now the teachers are nowhere to be found, and that's our next yeah, clip. Check not again. What about Forrest? He's on his way
3: why the panic gentlemen the teachers are not in their room sir they can't be monitored when they're not here there's nothing to worry about marvin they made the decision not to teach today that's all but they're supposed to do what they're programmed to do sir nothing more but with the reasoning
1: powers of a human being find them shut them down and run a complete test No matter how perfect they are in the field, Dr. Forrest, there's no such thing as a completely stable hybrid.
3: Or a completely stable human being. I don't want them taken out of the field right now, and that's an order, do you understand? They've almost made a complete emotional crossover to human modes.
1: Worst case scenario, sir, the educational directives may have miscarried. They might be reverting back to their original military form. You let me worry about
3: that, all right, Spence.
4: So now you can see there's panic setting in for everyone but Rattail. And uh, it's wartime. We get a lot of fighting, gunfighting, explosions. Uh, the gang fighting's full on. The teachers show up, and they start strategically killing people on both gangs. At one point, Cody and another guy, they're in, and they're kind of sneaking up behind the main bad guy, or the main leader of the other gang, um... And then all of a sudden, arms reach out. They grab the other kid who Cody's with and they bend him in half, pulling him through the hole. That I was thought cool. That was pretty fucking awesome.
2: Yeah, the gore effects in this are also on point. This is during the height of the practical effects era, and they nail just about everything that they try to pull off in this. With a few exceptions that we'll get to towards the end of the movie, but I mean, the carnage and the gore factors of the deaths in this are spot on. They're as good as it gets for practical effects. They did a really good job with a lot of that.
4: Yeah, I agree. I I thought this looked really cool, and um uh. So then he, uh, told Cody sees the teacher, and teacher's like, "You're next," and he's like, "Ah," oh, and he shoots him a couple times, and he doesn't go down. He's like fuck so cody runs off and he gets away and that ends that 20 minutes block of the movie
2: interesting strategy that the teachers have and it's at some point it's not quite yet that we get revealed what these uh robotic creatures were originally built for we don't have that inclination just yet stacy hasn't given up that ghost
4: yeah okay. yeah the, yeah we don't know yet what they are but we just know that things are really wrong right the what
2: we think is them malfunctioning right now and the way they're acting they're doing it in such a strategically methodically plotted out way that it seems as though there is more programming to these teachers than simply just being teachers with the ability to fight and or defend themselves against unruly children there's another layer of something going on here and this whole sequence really unveils that because they execute Several of these fucking gang kids specifically just to get them out of the schools and to try and clean up the schools. But they do it with such precision striking tact that it's clear that there's some kind of tactical know-how in these things more so than just being teachers. There's something else going on with them. And I think that really gets established through this section of the film. So we're basically talking about it in thirds and the first third sets up the world, sets up what's going on with the teachers, gets you ready to go. The second set of 20 minutes here that we have, or this middle third of the film, is basically establishing the gangs versus these robotic psycho teachers, and then the big cover-up that's insisting over top of this that even the principal's now brought into as well. And so when we come to the close, it's clear the kids are on their own, and if they're going to survive, they're going to have to fight back and defend themselves. I mean, that's what we have established here right at the end with this battle. This was the turning point that, you know, there's no way back for these kids, <laughs> with yeah. these teachers. So, I mean, the, the film's very tight it's very concise the the plot line flows exactly as you need it to and i can be perfectly honest with you you can watch this a ton of times not even pay a shitload of attention and the plot line will still get you it will still fucking stick with you because this film makes sure that it drives that home to you yes no fucking eyeballs and tits crying and making a spider giant
4: yeah thank you fucking god <laughs> uh, it, it Picked, this movie picked a story, how it wanted to tell that story, and then it just stuck to it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it executed things methodically, thoughtfully, created a storyline, set up suspicion before the payoff, did everything that, you know, script writing and storytelling should do.
4: It's fucking beautiful.
2: <laughs> I'm so happy that we covered this this week.
4: me too (laughs) so we go to the last one third now of the movie uh cody then uh talks to his gang and he tells them what he saw about the teacher and everything and they're all kind of freaking out about it then cody talks to christine and her dad was already told that they were at the teacher's apartment and so they're all kind of her dad doesn't want to see him either because of course the teacher lied uh but then the principal he talks to the fucking robots whatever they are in our next clip
3: you you people have had total freedom
4: that doesn't
3: give you a license to murder. Miles, you petitioned for Kennedy High School to be used as an experiment in disciplinary education. Yes, but not to use my school as a war zone. We had a new product to market, and this was a perfect place to test it in. Yes, but these androids were supposed to educate the students. Battle droids, Miles. Battle droids. Military surplus marked to be shipped to Central America for the 10-year war. That is, until the D.E.D. called seemed they were having a little problem in our schools. I said, no problem. All we have to do is marry our war machine with the basic educational model. Wonderful results. <laughs> you should have seen those Washington assholes. They were amazed. And now we've got a military contract worth billions. I see. So they've been waging war with my students. Well, isn't that what all teachers do? But my people aren't just fighting, Miles. They're winning. Whatever happened to education? The students can learn if they want to. They simply have to make the right choice. Sure. Learn or be killed. I want you to turn them off. I'm terminating this program. I'm afraid. That's the bad news, Milesy. Once this program has been implemented, I'm afraid it can't be turned off. The bottom line is kill the enemy.
2: All right, so is Stacy Keach saying that they're using the kids and this gang-controlled land to show how they can infiltrate enemy territory and that they're taking over and they're fighting a war, and this was never for the Department of Education? This was just like a test zone?
4: Well, and I don't think it's a test zone. I think it was just another place to quell. Yeah, these were going to be built and put into a, a, a war that the United States was going to start internationally, um, That, but not be a part of. So it's going to be against two warring factions. To cause instability in the area, and the robots were going to help. But then, before any of that could go into the issues with these like fucking the gangs and everything else has gotten so bad that now they have to put them in mode here in America. But either way, they're going to make a lot of fucking money.
2: Yeah, so he's basically saying that they're repurposing it for the schools, but they're doing what their original plan that they were meant to do, what they were supposed to execute, they're just basically doing that for the gangs. So they're killing two birds with one stone in his mind and it's working perfectly and now he has proof that they will do exactly what they were programmed either way and blah 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 make sure shitloads of money is his end goal here with his albino self.
4: Yes, exactly. And his rat tail. Because rat tails like that need a lot of the money to, for upkeep. <laughs> it
2: requires someone to trim it
4: just right. You know You know the special kind of conditioner you gotta use? I mean, listen, hair care is not something you and I know fuck all about, but <laughs> having a rat
2: tail may have been something I knew something about
4: when I was like seven. That's fucking awesome
2: yeah but that's back when it was like in style and cool like around the same era time frame that you know this movie took place seven years after
4: yeah 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 <laughs> that, that's true too
2: <laughs> like this movie was shot in the 90s rat tails stopped being cool about 86
4: yeah but this is supposed to be 1999 so they probably thought the retro look would kick back in
2: Either that or that albino just gives zero fucks about his rat tail yeah that too uh this is like women's shoulder pads. We're getting obsessed over it.
4: Yeah, exactly. Only Jesus. people are gonna be like, why are you guys so into this motherfucker's rat tail? Because I'm it's like,
2: glorious and it reminds me of both Sting and Brian Bosworth around the same time.
4: It's, it's just it's a fucking it's very powerful.
2: <laughs> it's a rat tail of majestic
4: <laughs> breathtaking splendor. <laughs> it's 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 there. And if the rat tail were to run for president, I'd vote for it. Just saying. (laughs) But not the man, just the rat tail. Well, the principal is killed uh, by one of the robots, like, clenching right into his neck. Did so you see the wire funny.
2: that was supporting Malcolm McDowell in that scene? No, I didn't. Yeah, you could see it. It's. Just- I was
4: actually looking at the neck wound as it was going in because I thought it was so cool looking.
2: Right. Well, the effect really kind of covers it up, but I noticed it this time around. There's a wire that's uh, basically like the wire they're using to help pull Malcolm McDowell up so they don't have to worry about everything
4: else with the wound and everything. But there's there was a wire there. Oh, nice. Well, well, I still thought the wound was cool looking.
2: No, yeah, like, we already talked about the gore effects yeah, in the this. The point. yeah, they're really practical good.
4: Effects are really good. Um, all right. So the leader of the Razorheads, he gets a call and he goes, "All right, I'll be there." And he said, tells him one of his buddies that it's Cody and that he's supposed to meet him for a one on one at the school. And the guy goes, "Do you trust him?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, just like I trust a vampire for a blowjob." I'm like, "That's uh." That's good. That's, that's a good one. So uh, anyway, uh, the uh, Pam robot, then she breaks into the principal's house and grabs Christine. And she calls Cody in the voice of Hector, saying to meet him at the school. And that he has Christine. Cody and his gang talk about it. And they're like, why would you want to go to school? And then they figure out it, it must be the actually the teachers who are doing this. So then Cody and Hector, well, and all their gangs, well, they meet up at the school. And that's our final clip.
1: He called me out. Wrong, Hector. You see, someone's running a game on us. The same game that killed my brother. The same game that killed Nozer. You killed Nozer. I didn't kill anyone. And I'm not here to fight you. You got no choice. Back me up, Kurt. No, 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 jefe. No one's going to back you up. Mind is a precious thing to waste, Cody. Don't make me waste yours. Inside this school are three inhuman teaching monsters, the ones running this game. They kidnapped my girl. They killed Sonny, Reedy, Mohawk, and Noser, an angel. I can't believe you. you you're fucking talking shit about your own brother. And Sonny was an edgehead, man. He OD'd. One of these teachers killed him and took this it's got his blood all over it you got to know who your real enemies are now i'm going in there to waste some teachers you with me yeah! yeah
4: they're with them so they're like fuck it let's kill some folks and uh they go ahead they blow up the gates of the school and they all go riding through there looking for people uh we do cut and we see all the other scientists are dead they've been fucking just mauled to fucking death so they're just no more scientists anymore yeah they Uh, all
2: voiced too many objections so stacy keys had the robots take them all out
4: so uh there's a ride through we finally see um the pam robot uh and she stops them and they they kind of shoot her up a bit and she's like uh-uh and then her arm does something weird and it transforms into a fucking flamethrower arm and she lights the people on fire so they go running from her are you and gonna they are you st- not gonna talk
2: about how her chest comes open and you see like all of these tanks for the flamethrowers and these fake yeah. tits just sitting on top of her already ample bosoms
4: i was, I was gonna go with the fake tits when you really saw it better and the uh in the scene right before she dies
2: the problems that i have with the practical effects in this are the robotics they don't i don't want to say make sense that's not the quite the right way to go about it but whenever the robotics are revealed um the way they go about accenting where the robotics are supposed to be make them less believable because they're building this huge chest appliance over top of pam greer's already ample bosoms and yeah. when they do the reveal of the gears underneath you can tell that she's yeah, it's just, a
4: weird it's it's a weird walk she has to do
2: right she's uncomfortable and she can't hold herself in such a way as because they're trying to cover up her body by I'm making this robotic body go over top of it and the the way that they're lighting it, the way that they show it, she just looks humongous now because she is because they have this huge thing built on top of her, you know, her body and it just doesn't work right and it's all supposed to be covering up her breasts which, you know, you can see where they're trying to do that with the way that they did the makeup and it just doesn't Quite work and then they have the two giant rubber falsies over top of that i'm guaranteeing you that probably put like another 35 40 maybe 75 pounds on her oh and yeah no,
4: no wonder she couldn't walk right
2: and she gets it the worst out of everybody for the makeup to look like a robot
4: yeah because they really have her all shot up and shit and kind of torn up right i mean um, it
2: still looks great don't get me wrong what i'm really doing here is nitpicking because i've done nothing but suck this movie off since we started covering it so i needed to bring that in
4: so then the um a fucking gym teacher robot shows up, and his arm transforms into a fucking little rocket launcher. So he blows some kid right through a fucking wall. And uh, then we cut to Cody. He finds Christy and is able to free her. And one of his buddies shows up and is kind of watching the door. And then the old guy robot shows up, and his hand turns into a claw that has a drill in it and he drills right into his buddy's forehead and then he kind of has the claw on him but cody grab is able to grab his gun puts the gun muzzle into the guy's mouth and blows the entire back of his head off killing the old guy robot finally
2: that was a pretty cool
5: death
4: yeah that was actually really cool i was like oh i'm well, gonna get out of this one and then when he did that i was like Right, that's cool that's that's cool i like that that was like total destruction is what it took well he also um,
2: did that and he delivered one of those like real famous action movie type lines you know yeah i
4: was like i guess i'm i guess it really drilled into me or something like that
2: i yeah i don't remember exactly what it was that he said but he delivers one of those action hero lines and then blows his head off with like it's a six shooter it's one of those like revolvers but it's like one of the judge types where it's like a really big fucking gun so it yeah. might just be a five shooter and he pulls the trigger until it goes click on that teacher's head and even though it's robotic stuff that's supposed to be inside they do a really good job of making the head explode and making you believe that he shot the fuck out of this guy's head until it just became jelly
4: yeah it was really cool looking yeah. uh, so they run and then the pam robots chasing them so they go into her classroom the chemistry room and they turn on all the gas and they're kind of hiding and then she walks up he throws an axe into her stomach, also puncturing the, the gas lines in her stomach. She goes to turn on the flame, but it blows her the fuck up. I it's thought that was a pretty cool way to do that. It's
2: weird that the robots aren't assessing the damage that's happening to them or the danger factor that could happen from what it is that they're doing there.
4: They're pulling a, ter- a Terminator. Kind of, yeah,
2: but the way that the-
4: none of the damage is supposed to matter.
2: Well, I can see where they would be like that during their battle mode and everything. But like, if she knew she was leaking fluid that was explosive, she should have sensors that should tell her. That. It
4: also, could, it also could be that I think part of this is also they're trying to point out that the robots are failing, so they're not seeing this because they're they're failing. Technically, they're failures, and they don't know like what's going on with their programming anymore. So they've technically failed. Just rat doesn't want anybody to know that.
2: Yeah, I could totally see that. And he's thinking this is a way to do the redemption or what have you, but kill kill
4: know. all the fucking kids and then the robots will just die on their own and then problem solves. He walks away scot free. No one knows. Did you notice so, that no one knows what happens?
2: Did you notice whenever the axe hits her? Uh, tanks or whatever the writing on that is backwards on the tanks no i didn't say that yeah they reversed the shot so that they could have the axe like land where they needed it to land and they just basically pulled it out yeah so that's because hilarious. They, because they reversed that shot it also reversed the the words that were on the tank <laughs> don't get me wrong it still looks cool i just noticed that. that
4: that's fucking hilarious um so okay so then the gym teacher is chasing up and hector is distracting him so he's trying to shoot hector with his missiles but Hector's moving around, and Cody gets one, like, this big school bus that's been converted, of course, into this Mad Max Slender Dome type shit, and he runs down these, uh, the teacher. They all decide to go checking to see Hector and Cody, and Christine decide to go see if there are any survivors, and there are none from either gang. It appears to be a heavy death toll day. And as they're checking out, they hear some noise, and they think it's one of their motorcycles. They get on; it's actually a robotic arm. Well, at this point, Rattail takes Christine hostage. And it's like, unfortunately, you're all just going to have to die. And then Hector tries to throw a knife And he gets shot for his effort. And then right as he's about to shoot Cody, we all of a sudden see a stirring upstairs. And it's the gym teacher robot. And he pulls kind of a T2 type thing, or or Terminator type thing, where he's just kind of all fucked up in kind of a robot now. Oh, that's Um, very
2: much a Terminator kind of thing that they're trying to do. And this puppet actually looks really great. They do a great job with it. And
4: they integrate the
2: actor's face enough to where they're doing shots of just his face with some makeup for some of his facial reactions. But- it's only really bad whenever it's wide and they have the shots of what's supposed to be what's left of the actor's face for the cyborg part over top yeah. of the metal. That's where it gets a little cornball, but, and it does, it moves real stiff like a puppet and everything, but it still looks pretty fucking cool and they do some really cool stuff with this thing.
4: Yeah, especially for Brian with the budget they had. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's,
2: there, this uh, finale is clearly where they're spent all of their money is all of
4: the explosions and
2: everything. Yeah. But we've had really great action building up to it to this point.
4: I'm sure a lot was spent on the gang war. Yeah. That I mean, was, that was a lot of explosions too.
2: And bullets and all sorts of shit. Yeah. yeah. This, this back like uh, half of this film, like once the, the battle happens in the gangland, it just just does not let up and it's just more and more effects, more and more practical explosions. And then you get this like half robot cyborg looking dude running around trying to fucking explode people with shit it's still yeah. pretty decent.
4: Yeah. Um so anyway, he punt he comes up and he punches a hole through Rattail's stomach killing him. Uh so then he knocks out Cody and then Christine tries to run away and he kind of gets up and she's like climbing something he gets up to her. Well Cody wakes up and he grabs a forklift and kind of traps him in there and she uses like this chain to kind of hang him there. And they eventually are able to destroy him, killing him. And as we end it, Cody and Christine walk out of the school alone, roll credits.
2: The way they kill the final robot, the gym teacher guy, is really fucking cool. So he's choking out or trying to do some stuff to Christy, but he's like also rapey robot time while he's doing it. It just feels creepy and greasy while he's doing this shit. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a fucking forklift drives through the robot and spears him, but also misses Christy. It goes through just enough that it misses the chick. Because at
4: first I'm like, oh my god, did he just kill his girlfriend? Because... Right. hard hard <laughs> right and
2: then she's got a hold of the chain and he's like like trying to choke her with the chain or some shit like that I can't remember exactly what it is but then Cody has her wrap the chain around the robot's neck and then he just basically starts doing wheelies until he tightens the chain so much it rips the head of the robot off which is fucking amazing and you hear the robot screaming and like being filled with fear which doesn't make sense but it's still kind of cool <laughs> yeah yeah and, you know and it's just like a really great way that like he just rips the fucking head off the last robot to kill him and then they're off to the their bright future after the lawsuit that will happen from this corporation that's going to settle for a whole bunch of money in an NDA.
4: Yeah, yeah. They're all gonna be fucking rich. Or at least <laughs> those two are gonna be really fucking rich. And they got
2: some death benefits to be paid out too with their family members yep. being murdered by these robots. Exactly. Yeah. So
4: all's well that ends well, right?
2: Yeah, everybody's happy now. You know, everything's yeah. everything's fine. It doesn't matter that all these people were murdered. This ah, is fuck 'em this is probably one of the darker sci-fi action movies that you're gonna catch from this yeah. era I mean it's like a dark world that feels like there's no hope for any of these people and then you throw on top of that these murderous psychotic robot teachers
0: <laughs> yeah
4: not only are they in destitute poverty in hopeless drug addiction now murderous robot teachers <laughs> good
2: thing stuff like that will never happen here in America right Matt
4: mm, fuck well vote for Trump and it's gonna happen <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was watching this and it was feeling really, really pressy and I'm like, holy shit, man, the world that they predicted, they were just, you know, they're just about ten years, years off. Twenty years <laughs> off, yeah. Twenty one or so years off from yeah, what yeah. was about to happen.
4: Yeah, yeah. Twenty years <laughs> off. 20 years off. Yeah. Close. Go- government's Close. using
2: drones to murder people from afar and get away with it. I mean, that's not too much further from robot teachers <laughs> sending yeah, kids right. to school in environments that are definitely deadly and will get them killed only because it's just the easier thing to do to herd them all into schools. Um,
0: might as
4: well just kill all the poors. Then we don't have to worry about them anymore. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's, why are the poor, why are the poor getting so uppity all of a sudden?
2: That's, that's kind of where we're headed with this. Uh, there's some really, decent social commentary woven through this film to where if you aren't looking for it, you won't notice it. It's just another shithole world and things have just gone wrong and robots are killing people but if you really kind of look at it, they're trying to find oh. a way to keep the economically disparaged inner cities Yeah, there's
4: a down. lot of good message in this. Yeah. And a
2: lot the, of good message in this. Especially the idea that the things have gotten so bad that there are parts of the city that the police won't even enter. I mean, it was like that in LA in the 90s. It was like that in a lot of other cities. cities. Cities and even parts of Chicago are starting to get like that as well. There are areas where they're not policed because the gangs are too tough and the police don't want to work
4: hard at murdering black people. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, holy fuck. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sad, but yeah. I, I mean, it's the old adage of keep the poor poor, so the rich can get richer.
2: Yeah, and they're literally just testing things out because they know no one's going to question what happened in this war zone because people are dying all the time anyway, which is very much a United States
4: move. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> perfect place to try shit out. America's a bunch of cunts.
2: <laughs> yeah, this uh, this third world uh, city life that they're experiencing is happening all over the world. And we're doing the horrible shit that we're seeing these robots do. So there's a whole bunch of fucking commentary that could be had and analyzed in this film. But we ain't got the time to do that. We're going to just move on. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's an excellent film. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen Class of 1999 yet. And... Believe me, we haven't really spoiled anything. We've gone through this very quickly. There's still tons of little things in this film to enjoy. The practical effects alone are worth the price of admission if you can't find it on Prime or something like that to watch. Yeah. All yeah, right. exactly. I think I'm good. You ready to move on? We'll uh, we'll do some PSYOP news and call it a day. Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. going to take a little break here. We're going to play the Corrupted Youth promo. We'll have a little bit more of that cyberpunk music that I'm so hooked on because it fits for this week
6: for sure. Then when we come back, we'll do the PSYOP news. Taste colors beyond any known spectrum, as phonic euphoria cascades into your consciousness. Observe the laws of physics no longer applying to an existence that confines. Space and time will unravel and reform to a screaming new dawn, bursting with infinite possibility. It's as easy as listening to The Corrupted Youth Podcast, where the father-son duo of Dan and Brennan explore the latest blockbusters, classic genre films, and the schlockiest of golden age VHS rental store flicks in spoiler-heavy fashion. Corrupted Youth Podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Take a break from reality, unlock your infinite cosmic potential, and become a dongle.
4: punk zone now yeah yeah now we're awesome
2: Yes, we were not awesome in the previous 264 episodes. It's not until
4: Not until the Cyberpunk kicks in. That's when you start getting awesome. I think everyone knows that. <laughs> I played
2: Cyberpunk on previous episodes, but it's not yeah, until we n- have Cyberpunk World with Cyberpunk music that we're awesome.
4: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exact. You gotta you gotta follow some fucking rules. Well let's just ruin everything and you can give me some PSYOP
3: oh, news.
2: Uh, It's from Chris. That's our man, Chris, on the ground in Wisconsin reporting.
4: Yes, good guy. Good guy. Um, Anyway, Alarm Pilot tells LH Tower, we just passed a guy in a jetpack. FBI now investigating. I got Botox in my scrotum. What does that have to do with a jetpack? I have no idea. I just sometimes like people to know what I'm doing.
5: America is a bunch
4: of cunts. I think uh, people care about my uh, my needs and... uh, (laughs) So there you go. Uh, but the FBI, yes, has uh, launched an investigation after American Airlines pilot said he saw what appeared to be a man flying with a jetpack Sunday night near Los Angeles International Airport. And Satan's cock. It, whoa, holy shit. And Satan's cock. And uh, Satan's that's an active That's an active act night. Uh, that's a very active night. He
0: must have. Shut a up. Are you talking about penises? Penis.
4: Uh, anyway, they say tower. Uh, the uh, pilot was quoted as tower, American 90, uh, 1997. We just passed a guy in a jetpack. The first American Airlines pilot states in a call to the control tower. That or they just Amer- had a
2: bukkake mouth party.
4: Uh, I, You know, I don't know what they're doing on the plane. Um, I don't think they'd be doing that, but what do I know? Right. shooting a fucking hot uh, load all over this dog that seems not to be that i mean why would you do that poor fucking dog i'm just saying that it's micro penis um, time and then so then the dispatcher was asking if they were off to the uh right or left side which has to feel nice when they're taking you seriously like that you know i think they
2: are <laughs> so, required to take the report whenever it's put in
4: yeah take everything as seriously as you can or else you know yeah. you could probably get in trouble for not right um yeah, so, uh, uh, so then they said on the, the pilot said he was on the left side, maybe 300 yards or so, and about their altitude. Uh, they said, we just saw a guy pass us by at a jet pack, the pilot from JetBlue Airways then tells the tower, which warned another pilot about the sighting. Only in LA, the air traffic controller could said at one point, <laughs> I, <laughs> holy shit, What? <laughs> Uh, FBI vaginas- spokeswoman, uh, Laura Emler said Tuesday, the agents at LAX were investigating after the pilot reported the incident to the control tower. The FBI is aware of the reports by pilots on Sunday is working to determine what occurred. Uh, the agency has said in a statement, Ooh, is that me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? Cause it might be aliens. Uh, yeah, it's gotta be aliens. Uh, it's aliens or, or Iron Man uh but most likely alien what's with all that asshole Uh,
2: cream well see a jetpack could very well burn your ass which you would definitely need that cream for
4: yeah yeah what is with that all that asshole cream though because it's super hot you should be able to fuck one time totally agree um So anyway, uh, the two airline flight crews reported seeing what appeared to be someone in a jetpack as they were on their final approach to lax around 6.35 p.m. on Sunday. Whoever this guy or person could be a woman. Whoever this person is, is a fucking legend right I now. I started doing drugs after that. <laughs> I mean, who knew you could get that kind of fucking activity out of a fucking jet pack?
2: Well, do jet packs actually work? And I'm not talking about the ones that just spray water into the air from a lake whenever you're- well,
4: Apparently they do. I mean, what else is this guy
2: doing? Uh, it could be a drone disguised to look like it's flying a human being
4: with a mannequin. Oh, maybe, maybe. I mean,
2: Uh, I've seen somebody with an outfit a drone to look like it was a grim reaper flying across the sky to freak people out and chase them with it.
4: That's true. I mean, I don't know why I have to go ruining our good time, but, uh, (laughs) They say everyone's looking into these reports now, so. um, Shoot uh, some fucking ropes. Richard Winton is an investigative crime writer for the Los Angeles Times and part of the team that won the Pulitzer Prize for Public Service in 2011. Uh, Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. This is just that guy who wrote the story. That was his thing. So never mind. Uh, But there you go. Just to pull Uh, it. Either A, uh, somebody dressed up a drone looking real nice, or B, somebody made an incredible new jetpack and tested it out by an airport so people could see and report on it. Yeah, yeah. And and now we have Iron Man flying around and you're like, "Well, fuck."
2: <laughs> no, you see it was a weather balloon mat and then swamp gas was reflecting off of the weather balloon and made it look like a person in a jetpack.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's that damn swamp gas. I knew it. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's either that or the fucking rocketeer is a real thing now and we all have to be afraid.
4: Yay, the rocketeer, he's our hero. <laughs>
2: I actually really like the Rocketeer, mostly because of that kick-ass jacket that he wears.
4: Is that a kick-ass jacket? Yeah.
2: (laughs) has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, Jennifer Connelly was his girlfriend in that movie. And she was playing a Betty Page-like character.
4: I don't even know who that is, because, yeah, I I don't even know what's going on there. Who knows who Jennifer Connelly is? Am (laughs) I right?
2: (laughs) No clue. No one has any idea how hot Jennifer Connelly is.
4: No one knows about that kind of hotness. We all just... (laughs) we all just shut up <laughs> well
2: speaking of shutting up I think I've had about enough for this fucking episode we're going to cut this one short so we're going to play the Ending Legion promo we're going to have a little bit more of that synthwave style music and when we come back we will close
1: out this 1999 century. mental health obsessive cinema discourse pick six movies the podcast by the cemetery the podcast on haunted hill the psycho semantic podcast rick radio house of wax dude looks like the 80s
2: your music to bring us out and just make us all peaceful and just glad that we have our lives and that our world is nowhere near as dark and as awful as we've seen it in class of 1999 there's nothing anywhere near as horrendously awful happening in our world like is what's going on in 1999
4: I wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you would like to
2: know some uh, more times when this show has been really fucking awkward, you can check out our landing and launching page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. That's where you're going to get our previous 264 episodes. Two hundred two hundred sixty-four 264 episodes. That's fucking
4: ridiculous. That is awesome.
2: (laughs) We also have our Facebook group where you can talk about how you're tired of us bragging about how many consecutive episodes we've been able to release that is cinema guys. We on earned that shit. well i earned it you earned some of it
4: well I, i'm still gonna take credit for it <laughs> shit. i shit mean,
2: you were a part of the rhythm nation you're not the whole i never said i
4: was the whole rhythm nation <laughs> we're all just a part of the rhythm nation <laughs> matt <laughs> Great, now that song's gonna be in my head all night. You Fox, can find me, there goes sleep. You can find me on
2: Facebook. I am Court Psyops, who is also a part of the Rhythm Nation. Matt is
4: also are you, available. Are you though part of the Rhythm Nation?
2: Matt is also available on Facebook and as part of the Rhythm Nation. He is Matt Psyop. You can email feedback to Matt, PsyopMatt at gmail.com. Let him know that the two rules of Rhythm Nation are you don't talk about Rhythm Nation.
4: <laughs> so wait, Rhythm Nation runs on the same rules as Fight Club? We don't talk
2: about Rhythm Nation, Matt. You can email feedback fu- okay. to court, <laughs> cinema CourtCinemaSciOpsChord at gmail.com. Let them know that Rhythm Nation does not work like that in any way, shape, or form. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I just, I don't see how that's going to work like that for anybody.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shitfest that knows more about the Rhythm Nation than you. That is Twitter. I'm at Court underscore Psyop, and he is at Psyop Matt. You can also check us out on Instagram where I am running that shit like this show. It's cinema underscore Psyops, and that is where all of the memes that I'm repurposing get posted, and then they are reshared to other social media platforms from there. But the Instagram is where you're going to get the freshest stolen memes, and by uh, freshest, oh, I mean just
4: their Repurposed. First. They're not stolen. That's stolen. They're 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 the groups. They're for everyone. <laughs> we re- they're, But they are the of the highest of quality of memes, <laughs>
2: and they are all there for our fellow comrades in the Rhythm Nation. Yes,
4: that's right. The Rhythm Nation is definitely uh, at least socialist, if if not communist
2: while we're out there trying to seize the means of production in the rhythm nation kick the fuck out of the capitalist pig dogs and this weekend make it your bitch Yeah, I hear you now. All right. <laughs> your Skype get reset yeah. on you like it did to me?
4: Uh, Maybe. I don't think so. Hold on. Everything looks to be... As long oh, as your
2: recorder gets your microphone, it's fine. And as long yeah. as I can understand you while we're doing this, it's fine.
4: Cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My, my, yeah, my audacity is picking up my microphone. So. All right.
2: So you're recording?
4: And I am recording now. One, two, three.
2: Okay, I am rolling on my side, so I'm good to go. If you are, kind of just want to get this episode uh, out of the way, so I can go back to enjoying my day off.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) All of us, yeah.
2: (laughs) All right, so uh, I guess here we go then.
4: Here we go. Beats a living fuck out of Tony, or out of Cody. Tony, Cody beats a living fuck out of him.
2: And 3 O'Clock High is, I can't recommend that enough. That's a fucking amazing movie. I'll have to try and see if I can claim that on bite-sized cinema before somebody else covers it. <laughs> see if I can talk R.J. and McCready into talking that movie with me. Uh, <laughs> bunch of other Why don't stuff. we do that movie? Well, we totally could, yeah. But yeah. it's more fun to talk about 80s movies with R.J. than you.
4: <laughs> Fuck. I get it. <laughs>
2: Uh, he had basically one of those background-supporting actor-type roles in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You remember those thugs that Indy takes on whenever he's River Phoenix as a kid? Yes. And um, he was one of those thugs in The uh, oh, Last okay. Crusade.
4: I got you. Yeah.
2: I, th- I think he was wearing like one of those, um, one of those like golfer type uh, Scottish hats where they like sew the the fabric down to the brim, so it makes this like flat line. I forget what they call them for the types of hats. My wife likes them, and she <laughs> makes me wear them because she likes how they look on me. But uh, <laughs> he was wearing one of those backwards, and then he had like his red curly hair sticking out of the sides. But it's the same actor. He's been in a ton of other stuff. You are trying to kidnap what I've rightfully stolen.
4: Oh,
0: yeah,
4: <laughs> I love that. That whole conversation's great. All right, and I have lost my place. That is awesome because you started talking about the Princess Bride. (laughs) Fuck. It is what it is. It is what it is. For the longest time, I was
2: convinced that the girl who grabs the basketball and slams it against the wall and starts screaming and all that—I thought that was another Nightmare on Elm Street alumni. I thought she was the female lead with blonde hair from Freddy's Dead, but it's not the same actress. Oh, uh, okay. But I was convinced well, it was when I was a kid. Because <laughs> we already had an Elm Street alum, and you know, ever since just the ten of us, I was convinced that if one Elm Street alum is in your show, you have to put in at least two others.
4: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's maybe not such a bad think we should probably write a letter a strongly
2: worded letter
4: a, st- a strongly worded letter to so, have
2: a movie from the 90s correct that mistake
4: yes god damn it court if you don't stand for anything you'll fall for everything <laughs> i think the time has passed on making that happen all right fine but fuck it yeah just like i trust a vampire for a blow job i'm like that's uh that's good that's that's a good one that's Gotta a good say, one.
5: vampires
2: give the best head though what? That the the teeth thing. Careful. Yeah, but you know, there's ways around worrying about the teeth, and you know, vampires suck really good.
4: Ah! Uh, well there you go.
2: Right. I mean um, it still looks great, don't get me wrong. What I'm really doing here is nitpicking because I've done nothing but suck this movie off since we started covering it, so I needed to bring that in.
4: Well, yeah, maybe ease up on sucking its metaphorical dick for a little bit. <laughs> No, I was actually planting its actual movie cock. The actual, the actual real cock of the movie. Yeah, the actual real factual cock of movie. The factual. It's actual. <laughs> Let's just stop being silly and move on. We're close yeah. to getting this finished. <laughs> uh, we want a punch drunk. Hold on. Uh, okay. <laughs>
2: They're trying to seize the means of production in the Rhythm Nation. Kick the fuck out of the capitalist pig dogs, and this weekend make it your bitch.
4: (laughs) All right, we gotta end it. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) Oh man. Woo! All right, and I have also stopped recording.